SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. It's five minutes after six o'clock. Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update uh, this Monday evening. Good to be back at the start of another week. Uh, keep your SMSs coming through, 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701 with the keyword market at a cost of two rand per SMS. We've got two questions. We'll get to those uh, later on uh, in the program with uh, Market Watcher Simon Brown. First up, as always, Google it and Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Shares in African Bank Limited filed by as much as 6% at one point today adding to a nearly 20% plunge on Friday after South Africa's biggest unsecured lender alerted the market that it may see a decline of up to 28% in half-year profits. Research conducted by Ernst Young has revealed that foreign direct investment from emerging markets into Africa outpaced that from developed markets in 2012, but the number of new FDI projects in the continent fell by 12% from the previous year. Despite this drop, Africa's share of global FDI rose over the past five years to 5.5% in 2012, reflecting greater investor interest. And Dimension Data has made an offer of more than 300 million rand for the full acquisition of information technology firm Access Kenya. Now, the Kenyan firm specializes in offering Internet connectivity to homes as well as businesses in that country. Looking at the markets, the JCO share index is closed up in positive territory by two-thirds of 1% at 39,828 points. The rands at 898 to the US dollar, 1394 to the pound, and 1173 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,468 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $105, and the platinum price at $1,498 an ounce. Thanks, Gugut. Seven minutes after six o'clock, Simon Brown, as mentioned, of just one lap uh, with us in studio. He's our guest market watcher as uh, David Shapiro jets his way around uh, the United States following uh, 35,000, I think it was, 38,000? Something like that. Uh, 35, 40,000. A lot of people. A lot of people uh, making the trek to Omaha, Nebraska, which we are told is the Bloemfontein of, uh, of uh, the United States of America. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for David uh, to defend that comment uh, when he's back next week. Simon, mark it up nicely today. Uh, strong across the board. Yeah, pretty much strong across the board. Uh, resources kind of edging out, leading the way. Um, but but uh, sort of good buying. Not massive uh, uh, volume going through, sort of an average volume day. Nothing too exciting on, on, on that side. But certainly a uh, broad-based buying, as I said, resources definitely the winners there. Anglo Gold uh, top in the resource in the Resi 10. If we look at uh, 52 week highs on the bourse, a couple of property funds still posting fresh highs. Aspen up there again. At uh, 216 rand a share, uh, you got Life Healthcare over 38 bucks a share. Old Mutual, that's a new one, almost 30 rand a share, almost touching. Uh, RMI Holdings, that's uh, over 24 bucks a share, and then EOH uh, posting an all-time high as well. Yeah, Old Mutual's interesting one. I mean, you just remember this was a stock that was trading around four rand back at the really rough days of of of, of the crisis back in 2009. Uh, you, you know what, seven and a half fold up on 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 that. It was a brave buy at four rand, but in truth, it wasn't going bust. But if you speak to, 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 to the analysts out there, they all like Old Mutual to preferred pick in the space for most of them, and they still like it, even in the sort of mid to high 20s. They're still saying it's got some upside potential. They, they did a lot wrong when they moved to the UK, uh, post-demutualization, uh, you know, Bermuda and Scandia and the like, but they're getting a lot right at the moment. So initially a lot of catch-up they had to do against their competitors, and now it seems to be sort of moving forward. I always wonder if they're not perhaps going to come back to South 
Africa, seeing as that once again seems to be their focus. Not quite sure why they've got head offices in London. 52-week lows on the other side of the bourse. Iliad, uh, that stock down at 4.60. Uh, you've got Argent at 5.60. Both of those have been beneficiaries of uh, some rather uh, some rather interesting buying by institutions uh, regarding capital management, RCM, as well as Alan Gray taking stakes in, in each of those companies, uh, respectively. Afgri down at a 52-week low, 4.40 a share. Telcom, uh, a fresh low, 11.93. This values the company... Just a shade over six billion rand. I, 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 I lost four words on Telcom. Except today, someone said to me, "Could it go below ten on Twitter?" And the answer is not if, but when. I mean, it almost certainly seems to. Argent, very interesting little company. If you if, if you break it apart and, and you value it, and you use almost any metric to value it, you come out at a stock that is that is really really cheap. I mean, really significantly cheap. And you know, witness the Alan Grays coming into it, particularly RECM. Uh, I think Canon or quite like it as well your classic value guys but that's been the case since 5 round 50 or 6 round the stock just keeps on slipping and slipping and slipping and, and, and that, when you're valuing when you're looking at a company on, on the market a lot of it is sentiment and the sentiment around Argent and around steel more broadly we look at the big guys Arsenal Metal we look at BSI Steel and the like has been fairly negative and, and they're just suffering from that and they, they can't seem to get out of that rut and the question is you know, will one day but when? Will it be this year, next year? Will it be in four years' time? In the unsecured lending space, uh, JD Group under renewed pressure today. Transaction Capital, that company out with uh, financial results tomorrow. And despite a, a rather positive trading update late last week, uh, share sold down to 669. Able African Bank Investment Limited will get into that one in a bit. That share down at uh, fresh 52-week lows as well. Yeah, the, the, the update for African Bank after the close last Thursday spooked the, the, the unsecured lending market broadly. We, we saw Capitec offer some 6 or 7% on, on Friday as well. Um, the, the really small guys didn't get hit. As you said, uh, transaction, uh, TCP also taking a hit there, transaction capital. I, I'm not sure that it's quite fair to put them all in the same basket. I know they're all unsecured lending. I, I get that part of it. But there's, there's, there's nuances that are bigger in, in some cases. Transaction Capital has got a number of other assets. Unsecured lending's only about a third of their business. Uh, African Bank, of course, has got Ellerines. Capitec is, is pure banking and, and, and a deposit taker, uh, a lot of shorter-term loans and the like. So, uh, yes, we're seeing some stresses there, but there's going to be different levels of stresses in the different companies. Simon African Bank, down 17.5% on Friday, down almost 5% today. 22.74, where does this end? It's got to be, I've I, I got to say, at, at this point in, in, in the sell-off, it, it, in the short term it's looking very attractive. At some point, a lot of people were short. They were making money on the downside. They've now made their money on the downside. To exit that position, they need to be a buyer. We're going to see those shorts closing. That will bring some buying pressure in. Uh, this is a stock that was 40 rand a year, a year and a half ago. I, I honestly can't believe that its results are going to be so horrific that it is, it is going to, it's a 22 rand share. I Probably 30 rand was a, was a, was a, was a fair shot. I don't think it's going back there in a hurry, but what they've done is essentially be prudent. What they've said to us is, you know, we, we saw some, some stresses in our book. We took a, an extra large hit last year. 
my sense is they're getting ahead of the curve. They're taking some pain up front so that perhaps there's less pain down the line, whereas the other guys might take a little bit more extra pain down the line. I think at 22 rand, it's been massively overdone. The Centrix Divi ETF, a big holder here, uh, it increased its uh, holding in African Bank by 1.7 million shares between uh, December and the end of March. It now holds almost 4 million shares in the company. That's almost 6% of, of the Divi. And uh, JD Group up there, Lewis up there, the Citrix the, the, the is a, a wonderful uh, index. It's almost a contrarian index or a value index in a sense. And what does it do? It goes and hunts out those stocks that are on high historic and forward uh, dividend yields. Of course, uh, you know, in some examples, Astro and Collapse, Telcom was in there for a while. Uh, PPC is another. So Arcelor was there at one point? Arcelor would have been there as well. So it's always going to have stocks that go horribly wrong. Then the question is how much is their weighting? Those three are quite heavily weighted. They're about 13 or 14% collectively in the index, whereas uh, some of the others perhaps weren't as big. That's always going to be your risk with an index like this. Broadly, Satrix Divi, I like it. I, I, I have a fair chunk of it. I, I like its difference to the others, where the other indices are momentum-based. As you do better, your, your share of the index increases. Yeah, there's almost a sense that as the price does worse, your share increases. As I said, it's that value slash contrarian view, and that's sometimes going to come back and bite you. Simon, jobs data out today, first quarter, unemployment increasing, uh, it's at 25.2%, in the fourth quarter it was 24.9%. If you dig into the numbers, that's where, it's get in, where it gets interesting. Uh, trade, the trade sector is losing 66,000 jobs, construction losing 41,000 jobs in the quarter, financial uh, services sector down 23,000 jobs, mining picking up at 8,000 jobs off uh, I guess a, a, a rough base, uh, manufacturing up 23,000 jobs? Yeah, mining, manufacturing, I think it's base effect, as you said, from the last quarter of, of the previous period. Um, construction continues to show me just how very tough it is out there in construction. We're not yet seeing that, 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 that turnaround. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I was looking for three years ago. <laughs> uh, I've already got in and out of my construction shares at exactly zero profit. The surprise there was the financials, financial services. I, I yeah, 23,000 big picture, maybe not a heck of a lot, but uh, I wouldn't have expected much of, a, much of a pickup there, but I was surprised by the level of, of, of drop-off in, in, in that particular niche. Broad picture, you know, losing 100,000, neither here or there. The bigger problem is we have a 25% unemployment rate. That's amongst people who are looking for employment. If you've given up and are what they call discouraged, they don't count you. Uh, 25%, I mean, okay, we're matching Spain. That's not a country you want to aspire to. We, we need that number 20, 15, 10. Every, every year, Minister Gordon, President Zuma, and their you know, speeches in February tell us about the jobs plans. I appreciate the global crisis has not made it easy, but at the end of the day, we've been going nowhere on unemployment for, for the better part of a decade at least. Very interesting to see the two private education players on the market, Advertech and Curo. Uh, before Curo listed on the market, and it has turned into somewhat of a market darling, Advertech was very quiet, went, went about its work, uh, built schools. Suddenly, with Cura on the block, Advertech sending us press, press announcements every time they're building a school. They're, they're building Abbott's College in Centurion, a Crawford Prep campus in Bedford View. Those open doors early next year. It takes their total to 38 schools. 
Kira's already got close to 30 schools and no doubt very quickly going to overtake that 38 number. Yeah, I mean, competition's a, a wonderful thing, and of course there's always been competition, but this is in the listed space. This is competition for investors and their rands and cents. And technically, directors and CEOs don't care about the share price, but of course they do. There's a bit of ego there. That's where your, your bonuses and your share options come from and the like. Um, so certainly we've seen, we've seen Advertech shaken up a bit. And I've got to say, I mean, a year ago, I, you know, my, my tongue in cheek comment was Advertech had more brands than Cura had schools. It was true then. It's not going to be true for a heck lot longer. They're kind of in different models or different spaces, but certainly I think going forward, education is, is, is going to be uh, one of those areas people are going to continue to spend money uh, and I think yeah, you can almost pick at them. I think they're both going to do very well. One of them probably the winner. Cura's expensive uh, but uh, 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 got some upside. You know, don't discount the, 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 the PSG uh, backing behind it. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. 17 and a half minutes after 6 o'clock, while our Market Commentator weekly podcast kicked off today, the full interviews with Chief Investment Officers, Fund or Portfolio Managers will be on moneyweb.co.za at the start of the week, either on Mondays or on Tuesdays. We'll likely interview each institution about once every two months or once a quarter. Our first guest, someone we haven't heard on this program for more than a year, Ian Little, Chief Investment Officer of Alan Gray. As mentioned, that full interview online at www.moneyweb.co.za, as well as on our apps, MoneyWeb Talk and MoneyWeb Now. That's for iPhone, iPad, as well as Android and BlackBerry devices. I spoke with Ian on, on Friday morning. We spoke about what happens when quantitative easing ends. That's the big question on everybody's mind, including Warren Buffett. We spoke about valuations of markets at the moment, both uh, global markets as well as the JSE. We spoke about investing offshore. I also asked Ian about Alan Gray's holdings on behalf of its clients in Anglo Gold Ashanti and Harmony, both noticeable holdings. At the end of last year, it still held around 5% of each company. Um, I, I prefer not to answer on, the, on those two specific companies, but maybe talk in general mm. on, on what we've been doing with our, our, our positions in the mining stocks. Certainly, the, the, the two companies you mentioned have not been our finest investments. They've been terrible investments. And one has to say that we we earn and invest in capital in them in the first place. Um, so, so I, I guess when it comes to the mining stocks generally, what we have to do is constantly reevaluate um, the the value of the company, the, uh, the intrinsic value, as opposed to its share price. Um, and you know, that's why we have a full investment team of very smart young analysts here in Cape Town and, and hopefully an environment that's conducive to um, uh, independent opinions and, and, and people questioning assumptions that we've held to previously. Um, so in the case of some mining companies, uh, we have lowered our, uh, reduced our position over the last year or so. Um, um, maybe not at these levels, but but at the higher levels, say towards the, in, the, in the second half of last year. But in others, we've added to our position. Mm. Um, but but we we're constantly reevaluating, and, and I, th- I think to be fair, we we would say that our intrinsic value for South African mining companies is lower today than it would have been a year ago. Ian, your views on, on property as an asset class, I asked this specifically in relation to your balance fund and also, um, I guess, um, in, in relation to the performance of, of listed property as an asset class um, over the past 12, 18 months. Mm. Gee, it's, 
uh, probably over the last 12 years, one would say <laughs> that it's been a fantastic investment. Um, um, and uh, we were very full of property 12 years ago when the, the listed sector was much smaller and unfortunately substantially reduced our, our property positions with the benefit of a hindsight way too early. Um, so you know, we have some residual exposure to selected property counters, um, but but not not a big exposure now. Um, and, and the reason for that is that the the yields are are certainly low compared to history. Um, and I think the one thing one has to watch out for with properties and why why you probably you have to do research into the individual stocks and and not just on the sector is that. You know, the risk with any one property, if you buy it on, let's say, you think you're getting a 7% yield today, mm. is how much maintenance is required on that property and when is that maintenance required? Because certainly if you do no maintenance, in 20 years' time, you're probably going to have a very old building which is not going to be able to command the same kind of rent. Um, and, and, and that's possibly the thing to watch out with, with property companies is, is, is you might be kidding yourself that the, the yield that's quoted is what you're going to get sort of over a very long period of time. Yeah, and just to close off with, uh, we have seen a, a number of institutions taking positions in, in some of the smaller caps on the JSC. I'm thinking of companies perhaps sub-1 billion market cap, uh, even around the billion rand mark, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. This hunt for value uh, among the smaller caps, how, how would you approach this generally? Because uh, people, I guess, do ask themselves some questions when they see that a, a specific institution has taken a 5% stake or 10% stake in a, in a very small business. Um, we, 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 of course, are always on the lookout for value in small cap companies, um, um, and and you know, the, it's 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 something that we spend time on, and our analysts write reports on small caps, and we regularly evaluate them. But once again, I, I wouldn't make a general statement that small caps are cheap or expensive. I think there's some that we find very attractive value, mm. um, and given. Given that we sort of a, a mainstream asset manager, um, you, if you buy that small cap aggressively, your, your shareholding tends to ramp up quite quickly. So it becomes you know, we would be, an institution can become a relatively big shareholder in that that small company without it becoming an overly sized position in the portfolio. Mm. And in terms of, of liquidity of these businesses and, and being able to reduce your exposure in a particular small cap, does that does that uh, come into the equation as well? I think it, it, liquidity is part of it, but I think a, um, a much bigger consideration is is value. Mm. So, if you buy in a small cap stock at a discount to its intrinsic value, you probably won't have a problem selling it in future. Mm. Certainly, our experience has been that. You know, with with small caps and mid caps that we've bought over the last decade, last 15 years, um, where we've got it right and we've done our sums right and we've bought them at a discount to intrinsic value, and although they appeared liquid at the time, they've been very easy to sell and actually regret, regrettably too easy to sell because many of them <laughs> continued to go up um, after we'd sold out completely. Ian Little there, the Chief Investment Officer of Alan Gray. Simon, very interesting comments about small caps towards the end there. I suppose you only need to get 
most of them right <laughs> you, you do liquidity is, is ma- yeah, I mean, for me I worry about liquidity and Alan Gray is a billion times larger than I ever will be um, I suppose in the sense that you're going to get it wrong sometimes when you get it right that liquidity will arrive and, 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 and that's part of your reward is, 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 is a couple of components one is that extra liquidity pushes the price the other is that you spot it undervalued you've then just got to really get your buying right and you will occasionally uh, get it wrong and I said that's really going to hurt but you know I remember in 0809 the, the small cap uh, Stanlib fund I mean they year, sort of a year ago which was three four years after the, the event they were still trying to sell some of their, the small caps they got caught with because of lack of liquidity SAFM market update with MoneyWeb 25 minutes after 6, David Shapiro, our regular market watcher, uh, who spoke with us on Friday evening as he helped push the S&P and the Dow to, to fresh record levels. David, I see the S&P well into record territory now, 1619 at the moment. Uh, David joins us uh, from uh, the USA, having attended the Berkshire Hathaway AGM. Warren Buffett, the world's top value investor, addressing somewhere between 35,000 and 40,000 uh, investors, uh, onlookers, pilgrims, whatever you want to call them. David, no surprises from the fourth richest man in the world and uh, the chief of the fifth biggest company in the world. It's now the fifth biggest uh, behind a couple of, I think, Apple, Microsoft, and so on. I see Exxon still trying to hold its own there. But it gives you an idea of the size of, of this business, a uh, massive business today. Of course, that takes away a lot of his flexibility, Hilton. You know, it's very hard for him to find big uh, big deals. And I suppose the market, he's much more, uh, you know, his, his returns come from his large companies, uh, more so than some of the trading that he does. He's very, still very big into Wells Fargo, IBM, Coca-Cola, still his favorites. Um, but uh, look, it was great. It was, uh, we, I picked up a lot of pointers um, you know, listening to him. You always think you're not going to learn something. But I think the one thing that I did know is that no one knows where we're going you know, mm-hmm. from a macro point of view. I think no one can call the ending. And he said, this, uh, you know, he said it's like watching a movie where you don't know the ending. But it remains very supportive of Bernanke saying that, uh, um, he did what he had to do. Also, President Bush, you know, he says that Bush muttered the ten most important words in economics, in you know, our history ever, when he said, if we don't loosen up, the sucker's going down. And that was the <laughs> command to actually use taxpayers' money to save the U.S. economy. He says it was more relevant than anything muttered by even Adam Smith. So... So much so. So he's a big supporter of, of um, you know, of, of, of Bernanke, uh, not knowing how this is going to unfold, but, you know, believing that they did do the right thing at the time. Anything else that... rates will remain low. Sorry. Anything else that stood out for you um, in Buffett's view um, of the world? You know, a lot of, a lot of issues, um, um, a lot of issues came up. Um, many of the word, many of the uh, questions were very technical about Berkshire Hathaway. Um, it's still a strong company with uh, very strong underlying performers. You know, Burlington Northern Santa Fe now uh, benefiting from the oil um, fines in northern Dakota, um, increasing the amount of, of oil that they are shipping out. You know, shipping out, I mean, taking there. Um, I think a lot of the uh, – he remains very optimistic on, on the U.S. economy. Didn't say much about Europe, and you know, very negative about Europe, and emerging markets just doesn't feature 
Um, they reckon that it's just uh, drummed up by, or certainly Charlie, you know, Charlie's very cantankerous and very <laughs> uh, cynical. He just says that the emerging markets is nothing more than products devised by fund managers to get big commissions. So he's not a, he's not a great emerging market fan. But I've got lots of, I think over the next couple of weeks as we talk, um, I've got pages and pages of, of notes that I made on various subjects, you know, that one can unpack um, and, and, and get, get, you know, insights into that. But he hasn't really changed. He's very funny, and I mean, it was always amusing. He's got the one thing that I loved. He was talking about Harley Davidson. Um, he was talking about the bomb that he's there, and he's very sad that it's coming to an end. And people asked him how he could go to Harley Davidson because Harley Davidson was nearly bankrupt. And he said, "Listen, any company that gets your customers to tattoo adverts on their chest can't be that bad." <laughs> David Shapiro joining us uh, from the US. David, have a safe trip home. Uh, Simon, very interesting. Uh, Warren, obviously on Twitter, Warren Buffett, he's just shy of 400,000 followers. That's in about, what, four days. Uh, two tweets, uh, the last, both on the same day, both on the 2nd of May. Uh, Charlie Munger, who is nine.